Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am joined my good friend and fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. I am uh, glad to be back. Maybe the craziest weekend of the year we've had in college football. Like from from noon till like midnight, it was just it was an awesome day for college football. You couldn't look away. Um, it everything from start to finish. Um, we'll get into one game that it was unfortunate that it was really ruined due to injury. Um, I think it changed the entire makeup of the game, but we'll get to that uh, in due course. But man, yeah, across the board. Uh, with the family was in town for Tennessee, South Carolina. I got to see the Vol Squirrel in action uh, this weekend. What that is was the Vol Squirrel? So it's this. He's hugely popular. He's this guy who has this pet squirrel, and he comes to the games. He's decked out in all Tennessee stuff, but it's a pet squirrel. He had on full Tennessee helmets oh, and wow. gear, like, and people were letting him. Like he was letting people put it on his shoulder. Um, he was in multiple tailgates. Uh, saw the mayor of Cleveland, or mayor of Cleveland, the mayor of Knoxville, uh, Glenn Jacobs. Don't know if you know Glenn Jacobs, aka Kane, was at this who, game. Who doesn't know Glenn Jacobs? Yeah. Um, so he's a gigantic man in person. Just walking beside him, he's he's a gigantic man. And then my father. Well, before uh, you move on, mm-hmm. that squirrel thing. That sounds like the worst thing I've ever heard. And <laughs> honestly, like we have you ever heard of the slow pour? <laughs> Uh, in Lawrenceville? Yes. Yeah, we went there one time and mm. this guy had a pet ferret mm. and like came to there by himself. I don't know how you feel about ferrets. Just rodents in general, I just feel like she's not a fan of. And this guy <laughs> had a ferret on a leash. Mm-hmm. Like, he wanted people to ask him about the ferret, mm-hmm. you know? And Tori, Tori made a generalization about white people that day. <laughs> I was like, it's... I'm white and I did not like that ferret, but it was crazy how many people were just like, oh my God, can I pet your ferret? And I was just like, what world are we living in where people want to touch this thing? Like, I was like, so I was like, we went and sat somewhere else so we could be as far away from this ferret as possible. So like a squirrel being on my shoulder or something sounds like the worst thing I've ever heard. Like, like I respect this guy's hustle and, uh, you know, his dedication, but that sounds awful. Well, what's funny is uh, that you bring that up because uh, one of the tailgates we were at um, before the game, uh, the sports renaissance woman knew knew the knew the couple who did the tailgates. So we were over there, um, and really, really nice, really sweet people. But there, the squirrel man made his way into this particular tailgate too, and uh, the the woman saw it and was just like disgusted like Tori like just disgusted and like wanted him out and went to get her husband to like inform him of uh him because like I understand it from a food perspective where you like you have all this food and drinks and you're just like I don't want this squirrel just like hopping around and just uh potentially contaminating the food and everything and the husband has the exact opposite reaction that she's he's like oh cool wow and he goes over and like takes a picture of it up close and it, it was just hilarious like that was the exact opposite reaction as to what she was she was looking for so yeah there's two different kinds of people in this world the people that see it and like let me get a picture with that let me hold that and then there are the people who are just completely repulsed there's no middle ground i don't think 
I think that's I think that's one hundred percent accurate. Uh, but no, great turnout. The black uniforms were a hit. Seats were great. Uh, the game was a blast. Josh Heupel um continues did you see that uh, tweet where it's like the sec power rankings where it's like one georgia two alabama three tennessee in the first quarter <laughs> no i did not see that <laughs> we were outscoring people in the first quarter i think like 114 to 13 or something like that um like we're just I ending up some points i mean Hinted we're just hooker, put, they look like a completely different team with Hinted hooker i mean we're just ending games in the first quarter it was 28 nothing at the end of the first i think yesterday um but no it's just uh he goes for the jugular really quickly and shane beamer got a lot of glimpses of him on the sideline he is not having a good time like he he was he was not having fun uh from what i could tell um well that's why i don't get why everyone mm. is just like so quick to jump like well they clearly got the right guy you know they got the right guy running the uh driving the driving the ship so you know they'll be fine it might take a while and i'm just kind of like what has shane beamer done to prove it anything that he's the right guy other than just be likable like i'm not blaming him for south carolina right now because it's just it's such a tough gig but I think the jury is definitely very much still out. I feel like I give him a couple, maybe three, maybe four years, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, it was just the people who just uh, accepted like it, he would be better than Muschamp. It's like Muschamp. I, I think people are just realizing that job is extremely difficult, and Steve Spurrier may have made it seem less difficult uh, than it actually yeah, without was. Without a doubt, it's like Lou Holtz and Steve Spurrier. Mm-hmm. You got two Hall of Fame coaches. <laughs> it's like yeah. when is and it like it kind of in the same scenario too, like guys that already had their prime coming at like a, a lat one last dance like i can still coach ball all right i can i can get out there so it's like is that the next scenario you know can they just the mac brown Saban gonna come out of retirement 20 15 years from now and go coach south carolina like i just i don't i don't see how they're gonna really attract anybody and with with georgia or not with georgia with clemson becoming just the powerhouse that they've been in recent history like yeah, just smack dab in the middle of the SEC and Clemson and State. Like, that That job is not easy, and it's not getting easier. Gary Pinkle? Yeah, maybe. Let's get Gary in there. Yeah, somebody. Like, uh, who's, who's somebody that's got a national championship or something? I don't I don't know. Like, Pete Carroll coming back. Going to, going to the other USC. I don't know. I just don't yeah, know. I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen. That's not happening. I don't think that's happening. Um, well, don't forget, folks. You can follow Matt Green on Twitter.com at Matt underscore W underscore Green. Follow myself at Chase double underscore Thomas. Go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com today. If you would like to get access to all of my previous episodes on this very feed, uh, subscribe to the the daily newsletter at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Again, that is sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Uh, go to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. And if you like listening to Matt and I banter about college football, the delightful college football season, the best since 2007, people are saying, uh, make sure to leave us a five-star rating interview on Apple Podcasts if you are an Apple Podcast listener. Um, Matt, we have to start. The well, headline before story. We move on, I just thought of the mm. perfect guy. Mm. 20, 2027, mm. South Carolina gets Urban Meyer. <laughs> oh my that, goodness. Urban's actually not a crazy thing at this point. You know what I mean? Maybe That's not crazy. Maybe things go really bad and he kind of gets disgraced at that point. No one wants to touch him. Like they already had that poll come out last week of like, you know, at 130 FBS programs, like 85 AD said they would never even consider hiring Urban Meyer or something like that. 
it's like maybe South Carolina, you know, a few years from now, bring bring him back out, you know, who know who knows? I uh, would not throw that out there. I just came up with it. That I mean I don't I don't hate that. That would not not surprise me whatsoever. I mean, you already just saw that with Spurrier, the the connection there. So that's their go to. Yeah. <laughs> Twenty years from now they'll go get Jim McElwain or something. I don't know. Oh man, we're we're irritating so many South Carolina fans. It, we, you're good people. <laughs> Dan Mullen, I guess, would have been a better one. Twenty years from now, they get Dan Mullen. There you go. Um, really sad uh, when they were really somber when they were leaving the stadium and just seeing them deal with the surrender cobra uh, in the first quarter. It was brutal. It's brutal. Not for me though. Had a delightful, delightful experience with ever every Hendon Hooker, Tion Evans run. The Tion Evans touchdown run, just bonkers. Felix Jones coming into the zone. No, but I digress. This is not a Tennessee focused podcast. Good to see Tennessee taking care of the inferior opponents, mm-hmm. like straight blowing them out. So I think next week, Ole Miss coming to town. I think Lane Kiffin. That's gonna be a. It's gonna be a good one. Under the lights. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Prime time, right? Yeah, seven thirty. Thirty. Okay, that'll be a good one. Four and a half. It opened. So Vegas doesn't know what to do with this one um, early on. So I wonder if that line moves as the week goes on. But it's it's four and a half at the moment. Um, Matt, your headline story. Let's start things off here. The headline story of the weekend it for you is the SEC West madness. Um, let's the start SEC there. SEC West. It's, mm-hmm. The SEC West is just absurd this year. Like I literally said, no more than like I would say four or five days ago that this this two through six in the SEC West is up for grabs. Like the only thing we know is that Bama is the best team in the West and that A&M is the worst team in the West and everything else is just jumbled up in between and we'd, we'd all work itself out. And then A&M goes and beats Alabama. So now we know literally nothing about <laughs> this division. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's Arkansas and Auburn and is it maybe Ole Miss? No, not Ole Miss. Arkansas and Auburn both still like control their own destiny to win the SEC West at this point. Like I'm not saying they're going to, but Alabama ha- hasn't even necessarily just solidified themselves at the top of this division now. So we have absolutely no idea what's going it, to – it's starting to look like LSU might be the worst team in this division after – you know, I mean, Kentucky, they got blown out by a, a solid Kentucky team for sure. They're up to number 11 in the rankings, but this division is just bonkers right now. I mean, Alabama now has to win every single game, including the SEC title game, to make the playoff. Yeah, that's something that no one was even thinking about three days ago. Mm-hmm. And then if you look – don't look now, Matt Green. Can I can I throw something at you? Hit me. I don't think AM's losing another game this season. Well, it's it's just so hard, right? Look at their schedule. Look. They're at Mizzou next week. It's a nice time to get Mizzou. They get Carolina at home, South Carolina. They get Auburn at home after that. Two weeks because they get a bye after South Carolina ahead of Auburn. They go to Ole Miss, which is their last tough game. They get Prairie View the second to last game of the season, and then at LSU to wrap things up. I think they're going to be favored in every game going forward. I, I would I would expect that. That is a, that is a good call. Ole, and Ole Miss, I feel like I'm still not sold on Ole Miss, really. Like, mm. they, they won a, a great game with Arkansas, but they were also the home team giving up 50 points. Like, they won the shootout and everything, but... Like, it wouldn't surprise me for them to lose to anybody else, you know, like for A&M to go into Oxford and beat them. Like at this point, it won't surprise me. It won't surprise me. You know, maybe Auburn would be kind of surprising at this point. But 
with just with what the SEC West is right now, it's it's so hard to pinpoint. I mean, anything like like a last week. I mean, Arkansas, you know, gets absolutely just demolished by Georgia, like can't even move the ball. And so you're kind of just like, well, maybe Arkansas is a little overrated. We kind of jump, we kind of jump the gun on Arkansas. And then they follow it up the next week going at Oxford, going to Oxford and racking up 600 yards and scoring 50 points. So it's just, it's, it's crazy. uh, What's, what's going on in the, in this division. And yeah, A&M, that's, that's not even who I was thinking about. I was, I was thinking about Arkansas having a legitimate shot to to run the table and like not saying they can beat Bama but like who knows at this point right like obviously Bama beat Ole Miss big and Arkansas was in a, a, a 50 to 50 game with them you know so that's not necessarily saying that they're they're a better team by any means but at this point like Arkansas should be favored like their schedule moving forward is Auburn Arkansas Pine Bluff, Mississippi State at LSU, at Alabama, and then Missouri. So I could see them being favored in just about every game except for Alabama. So mm. this this division is just so up for grabs. Like I think Ole Miss, we just kind of all decided like a few weeks back, like, oh, they're the clear number two, but they've played less teams than anybody really so far. It's like they, they've played two SEC games now. They've lost one and then won another one at the end when the team didn't get a two-point conversion, you know? So they could easily be 0-2 in the conference, but I could see Alabama and Arkansas being the two best teams in the West, too. So it's it's so hard to really pinpoint anything other than LSU is done and, and Orgeron is basically a, a dead man walking at this point. Yeah, I think I'm I'm sold on LSU being the worst team in the West. I think based on what we saw this week and where we're at with them, I think they're the the clear cut worst in in that division. I mean, Ole Miss has got a brutal stretch, and anyone who's penciling in the Ole Miss game at Tennessee as a victory for Ole Miss is out of their mind. That's just it's a toss up at this point. I have no idea. Um, LSU at home, I they mean, should I be agree okay. With that like I know I've given Tennessee a hard time this year, but I mean, Ole Miss isn't really stopping anybody. So Tennessee's scoring a lot of points like, mm. on the road, like you know. Matt Corral has another one of his uh, multi-interception games that we haven't seen from him yet in 2021. Like, yeah, that they could easily be on the ropes. But, I mean, they still have to go to Auburn. They get a good Liberty team at home with Malik Willis, the Hugh Freeze Bowl. They get A&M still, and they go to Mississippi State to close. The Egg Bowl is always weird. I mean, Ole Miss has got at least two more losses, I think, on the schedule. I, I think they have two more. Yeah, um, I can see that. Because Mississippi State is the team, I think, that's getting the least amount of respect. Mm-hmm that honestly has winnable games the entire rest of the way. I like I wouldn't think they're going to beat Bama that's this week at home, but like just in terms of teams like Kentucky and Arkansas and Ole Miss and Auburn, like Mississippi State can beat or lose can win or lose to any of those teams. So it's like it's just it seems like all of these games are swing games and it's just going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. It's just so much fun that Bama is just not a shoo-in anymore. Like the 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 fact that the SEC West is now open for business and that Alabama lost. I mean, it's still discombobulating. But I will say, I wish let's I could not pl- make let's mm. not make too much of it, right? I mean, remember back what twenty fifteen after they lost the Ole Miss, it was mm. like Saban Dynasty is done. You know, mm. and all it done is I think they literally won the championship that year, but yeah. then they've just won what two since then so like three championships since that loss to the back-to-back losses to Ole Miss when people thought it was over so honestly losing this early 
it almost worries you more as the, a team competing with Alabama because now you're like, okay, Saban, Saban's going to scrap everything and this team's going to be focused and they're going to know they have to be perfect. And when, when Bama's on a mission, they, they might just smoke everyone else on this schedule. Like, who knows? Very possible. Very possible. But we're in uncharted waters. I mean, first lost to an unranked team in 100 games. Um, you have he finally losing to an assistant. And that's what I was getting at, Macarine. I wish I could replay the tape live on this show because I said before the season, what did I say when we were previewing Alabama? Do you remember what I said about Alabama during this stretch? Um, I, I don't recall exactly. When I saw that they had Kiffin and Jimbo back to back before the season and i was like man if saban's gonna finally lose to assistant because my i said it on this podcast to friends family for years saban will lose to an offensive assistant of the past he's not gonna lose to a defensive guy he's going to lose to an offensive assistant he's not losing to mel tucker he's not losing to whoever um, he's not gonna lose to them first yeah Okay, he's so gonna. That's already off the table. Yes, it's off the sure, table now. now. And I said that's I would not be surprised. I thought it was gonna be Lane Kiffin, but I was not surprised that it was one of Jimbo or Lane. Like, if and the thing about Jimbo too is he's already won a title. Like, Jimbo might be now underrated because it's the contract. It's the fact that he has not won the big one yet at A and M, but he won it at Florida State. Now we're seeing how hard it is to win at Florida State post Jimbo and what that situation looks like without him. Um, Jimbo is still an elite college football coach. He's still a top 10 college football coach and he's established that he's won a natty. All that's great. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's, it was just a gigantic crazy win. Um, for AM. shout out to the Yaggies, the 12th man, Jay Arnold, all those great folks, um, who rushed the field, the mom who was crying. Did you, I retweeted that video tonight. Did you see that? Of uh, the mom before the kick, the game winner by the AM kicker seen that. incredible she just like immediately like falls over and then jumps in the rushes the field and it was great i mean just an all-time great win but we'll get more into AM and alabama and what actually happened there um i will say the other headline story of the weekend for me matt green is that everything is coming up georgia because if you look at where the playoff is headed like if we get what if what the it looked like now was the playoff then georgia is favored by 20 in both of their playoff games. And this is all coming up Georgia right now. Georgia's blasting Iowa. They're blasting Cincinnati. Like if they get that kind of like, I just, everything is coming up Georgia. This is the first time they're number one in the AP poll since what? 1982. Is that what it was? I saw it was um, the first uh, unanimous. Yeah, that's uh, what it is. AP poll because they were AP. They were number preseason number one back in two thousand eight mm-hmm. at Stafford's junior year, mm-hmm. and then I think by the time they played Bama in that blackout game, they were like four and zero, but they were like number four or something. They just kept moving down for not blasting opponents. But yeah, man, this Georgia team they look pretty much they look complete. They look like the best team in college football. You know, out of a hundred uh 127 votes in the ap and coaches bowl georgia got 126 first place vote so this mm. i've 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 like never experienced this as a georgia fan right where georgia is just perceived to be as the clear number one team in the country and it's just it's pretty insane what they're doing right now with their backup quarterback with you know, probably five of probably their seven or eight best receivers we thought coming into the season all injured. Like, 
the defense has been relatively uh, healthy or basically injury free, but so many injuries on the offensive side of the ball. But this defense has just been so dominant, and the offense is, I feel like, is just kind of getting overlooked for how dynamic they've been, just because this defense is just stealing headline after headline with shutout and and takeaways and defensive touchdowns. It's just it's kind of insane what they're doing, and. Yeah, I would say right now with Oklahoma, if Caleb Williams, like we'll get to that at Oklahoma and Texas and everything, that looks like a way more dangerous team if Caleb Williams is playing the way he did against Texas. So, mm. but yeah, you look at Iowa and Cincinnati. I I honestly think I think after the Big Ten champion is gonna just end up in the playoff with all these top ten Big Ten teams we got right now. I feel like it's going to be Ohio State. And I feel like by the time the playoff comes around, like Ohio State is going to be ready. They're going to be one of those those juggernauts at the top. And, you know, I would just never rule out Alabama. So it's going to be interesting, um, Georgia being the favored team, if we if we get all the way to the SEC championship and, and Georgia and Alabama don't drop another one. So, yeah, it'll be, a, it'll be an interesting one. Yeah. But we shall see. We shall see. Enjoy it, Iowa fans, because uh, it's good. And, I mean, they're going to be favored in every game, and they should be 12-0 at the end. And then right. if we get a 12-0 Iowa and 11-1 Ohio State, oof, oof, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. I mean, what are the chances of, like, you know, we get 11-1 Alabama and 12-0 Georgia? Very possible. Georgia loses. Mm-hmm. It's like there's actual discussion on them getting in the playoffs still, right? But if, Man, that's, that's the most Georgia thing scenario, to happen of all time. But at that same scenario, Ohio State beats Iowa. Like mm. There's like no conversation about Iowa to get in, most yes. likely, right? Yeah, that's it. That's, uh, that's a little interesting. But I will say, to your, to your preseason prediction about this, this Georgia football season, I would say Georgia fans have to be having a whole lot of fun, right? Mm. Through through six games. Wait, hold on. Didn't I also say they should be favored to win the national title this year? Weren't you getting mad at me for saying that they like the pressure's on Kirby because this is a team that should win a national title? Wasn't no, that the whole I, discussion? That was my whole thing about why it might not be fun this season for Georgia fans because the expectations are sky high and it's legitimate that they really should win a national title this year. But see, that doesn't mean they're not going to enjoy every step along the way. Mm. You know, it's yeah. like I think it's because Georgia fans, while they are like so desperate for a national championship, they know that they clearly have the guy that's going to get them there. And it, it almost feels like a a comfort level in like we're so good right now with this guy at the helm. Like he's going to win one at some point. Just OK, you're not talking about Stetson Bennett. I thought you were talking about Stetson Bennett for a second there and I was about to pass out. I'm talking about Kirby Smart. Yeah, I just want to make sure. Okay. Yeah, without a doubt. And so I'm saying, like, they Georgia knows they got the guy that he's he's gonna get Georgia to a championship. You look at how wide open it seems to be right now. Alabama losing, and if you get in a playoff with someone like Iowa, Oklahoma, and Cincinnati, the pressure is definitely gonna be on. It's like we don't have Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama in this playoff. Like, no disrespect to all those teams, they're gonna be very good teams if they get all the way to the playoff, but. In terms of that, like it definitely feels like this is the year it's opening up for Georgia, kind of like you're like like you're saying. But I still don't feel like the there's this just pressure on Kirby Smart necessarily. And and this the basically the main argument I make about Kirby Smart too is like if the pressure's on Kirby Smart, well then that pressure's on 
Lincoln Riley. That pressure is on Ryan Day. You know what I mean? Like, it's weird that those guys are somehow excluded from that. Oh, there's so much pressure because all the talent on these rosters. It's like those guys have as much talent as anybody in college football. Like they they also are loaded and have national championship expectations, and they don't play in the same conference with Nick Saban at Alabama. So that's race. That's really where I come from with the when it comes to the argument of Kirby being under pressure. Okay, that's fair. That is fair, uh, Matt. It's time for the green line segment of this podcast what is your your green line stat of the weekend my friend well i uh i don't want to steal your thunder on mm. um on this iowa penn state game but i know as you alluded to they were a different team with sean when sean clifford left that game and that's that's why we were both kind of you know feeling some kind of way right about mm. Iowa's win over penn state but i will give you the stats my friend Five drives in this game, they had Sean Clifford. Mm. Penn State had 208 yards and scored 17 points. All right, on five drives. Mm. They had 11 drives without Sean Clifford. Who is, what was the guy's name? Roberson? Yes. Um, 11 drives with him as quarterback, 48 yards they had, and three points, six punts, Two turnovers on downs, two picks, no first downs on five of the last six drives. I guess it's more than just one stat of the week, but that's just the Penn State just being an absolute, completely different team with Sean Clifford and without Sean Clifford. And I thought that was the, without a doubt, the difference on Saturday. I mean, it's brutal. In fairness to Taquan Robertson, like, that's the worst possible spot to be in um this iowa defense on the road and you're not preparing with the the starters all week and you just being thrown in there and like hey go keep us up on top of maybe the the nation's second best defense maybe the best defense depending on who you ask who is just getting takeaway after takeaway after takeaway after takeaway the hawkeyes secondary and group is just preposterous like their defense is legitimate i don't believe in this offense in iowa but it hasn't mattered to this point um, it's amazing how many different parallels there are with Iowa and Georgia, honestly, across the board. But um, except for Iowa, just hasn't really dominated. Mm. Like it seems like I I feel like I I see this Iowa in like 2019 Georgia. You mm. know what I mean? Like they just it seems like better teams would have would have beaten Iowa by now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Penn State. I mean they did dominate against Maryland. You know, but they they messed around with Colorado state for three quarters, like Penn state. We saw what they were once Sean Clifford left the game. Like, Hey, that injuries are part of the game. You know, like Iowa's defense is sick, but I still like there, you would think just with this identity of being a defensive team that they would also just kind of be a dominant run team. But I think that's why I'm, I'm still skeptical of Iowa's because they're just not very, they're not dynamic running the ball. And it's like, if you're not going to be, if you're going to have a game manager, passer, you know, hold possession and everything like that, that classic kind of defensive team does, I feel like you have to be elite running the ball. And that's just where I haven't been that impressed with Iowa this year. That's fair. That's fair. Um, well, let's get into our pick them, pick them game recap. Uh, how do we do this weekend, Matt? Well, um, I didn't notice this on the, on our show when we when we made our picks, but eight of the eleven picks were the exact same. Oh, 
So yeah, not so a I lot think, of movement this week. Yeah, so I think nine of the same picks were like as far as win loss because I know I picked Michigan State to win, but I had Rutgers covering. But mm. um, so yeah, we had eight picks that were identical. So you can imagine our scores were pretty similar, and they were. Uh, we both went nine and two overall. Ooh. And we both and we both went seven and three and one against the spread. Oh, so we were identical even against the spread. Yeah. So you, because you actually took Penn State and I took Iowa, and that was mm. a, a three-point push right there. So, yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of similarities on this uh, on this sheet. I think Arkansas and Ole Miss were were one of the ones we disagreed on, and it's like I won this, I won that against the spread, but lost it overall, vice versa. So, it was a it was a good week. Mm. I like it. I like it. Um, so, oh, let me yeah. let me bring it. Hold on one second. That brings you to. Oh, hold on. I didn't add that up. Keep <laughs> it going. I'll add that up and we'll get back to it. Well, let's start with the game of the weekend that none of us saw coming. This game did not make our pick em recap, but I just feel like we have to start here. We've touched on a little bit. A&M knocks off Alabama on a last second field goal. Um, we have dogged this A&M offense for weeks now on this podcast like it's it's been bad it's been it's just destroyed their season it has like the Haynes King injury and just this offense has not looked right all year long they get Wittemeyer involved here they get the the two-headed monster at running back involved here Zach Calzada has the game of his life Matt Green okay so I have a stat for you from PFF's Anthony Trish highest passing grades versus Alabama since 2019 Number three, Joe Burrow, LSU, 76.9. Justin Fields, Ohio State, 82.9. Number one since 2019, Zach Calzada, A&M, 83.1. Mm. Like, That's impressive. Zach Calzada, I man. I wish you had gone back to 2018, man. My guy Jake Fromm lit up Alabama in 2018, but you know we'll, we'll keep it moving. QBs to beat <laughs> Nick Saban's Alabama. Johnny Manziel. Cam Newton, Deshaun Watson, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, all all-time great college quarterbacks, and then Zach Calzada. Just, I mean, it just doesn't happen like this. I mean, outside of UL Monroe, who could forget the Warhawks? Forget, going... uh, Steven Garcia is part of that club as well. That's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, what did you make of this game? What was your biggest takeaways? Um, I thought the biggest takeaway was... That Zach Calzada, like you said, looked like a completely different player. Like he he looked comfortable. He like his his throws had like zip on them. Like he actually made throws down the field. Like it's almost like Jimbo just went to him. He's like, look, just forget everything you've done for the first half of the season and just just start slinging that thing, man. Like I was just I was impressed with how I feel like the turning point was was early on like in the first quarter right after that Alabama fumble on the second drive A&M comes out runs it six straight times and then hits the little play action like the five-yard touchdown pass I feel like that just gave it put up what 17 17 3 at that point mm-hmm. and once you're up 17 3 at home in that sort of atmosphere like Everyone in that entire stadium believes Texas A&M can win. And now it's like I feel like the floodgates are open. It's like all bets are off. Like 
once this team believes they can play with you and they can win, it just – I feel like it was a completely different game after that. You can see them how they were just playing with confidence. And I think after that drive was when they drove down and and uh, after that touchdown, they drove down and, and threw the pick on the, on the one-yard line. And I feel like that says something to a team right there too. Third and goal on the one and, and we're throwing it. It's like we're Alabama. Like – I don't know. I know there's a lot of second guessing there and um, you got to be impressed with how. And so once they were able to get up like this, we know how good Texas A&M's defense is. It was just it's been the offense that struggled so much. So you finally got to see like this is how the, the, this Texas A&M defense can impact a game like they they were just they they played great. And this is the second road game of Al- of the season for Alabama. And this they could have lost both of them. You know, they've looked like a completely different team on the road. They've looked mortal on the road. And I think like, they're going to have more tests. Like I'm, you would never really predict anyone to beat Bama, right? Cause you just kind of assume every, they're better than everyone, but there's going to be tests. Like I'm not saying Mississippi state this week, uh, with the cowbells is going to knock them off, but they're going to be challenged again. They're going to have to go on the road again. And I'll be interested to see what, what happens. For sure, for sure. Another important thing, uh, zero sacks allowed uh, by the A&M offensive line in this game. Uh, I thought that was critical too, and that's part of the reason Calzada succeeded. And this offensive line has not been good. Um, he has not had time, and it's been rough early on for the Aggies offensive line. And if they figure that out, and Calzada has time, and he has this newfound confidence, um, who knows? The who who knows? But either way, great, great win. And they, a win Jimbo needed just so much jimbo fisher needed that win so much um and now the sec west is just it's just wild Um, i don't want to jump to too many conclusions because of the game right because it's like a&m wasn't the better team i wouldn't necessarily say right like they played well enough to deserve to win but like alabama looked like the better team it felt like a perfect storm for how you upset somebody you know Mm. you like after the blocked punt, it felt like this is Alabama's game, and then they they answer that with a kick return to the house. It was just like they did; they made all those big plays that you have to make to 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 upset somebody. But I don't think that necessarily means that Alabama is not going to run the table and win the national championship by any means. You know, I think this is still this is still a juggernaut that's one of the best teams in college football. That's fair. That is fair. Um, Penn State, Iowa. Like you alluded to, Penn State was up 17-3 in Connect Stadium uh, prior to Sean Clifford getting knocked out of the game. Brutal, brutal blow for Clifford, who's just a warrior. He's taking a beating all year long. Tough kid. I read a, a Pat Forty's SI piece on him, and uh, Pat talked to his high school coach, and um, he actually went to the same high school that Luke Keekley went to. It's like an all-boys Catholic juggernaut. Um, I think it was Ohio, I want to say. But that's uh, cool. Yeah. So he's a he's a tough kid, tough kid. And uh, that had to be brutal because this has just been the perfect season for Clifford and this group. And uh, I just I can't shake the fact that they would have won this game. And it was a great moment for Iowa. They fought hard. Spencer Petras still completed barely 50 percent of his passes. That Iowa offense still very clunky. The defense is otherworldly and made Roberson, who entered this game for Clifford, four star himself, um, just just not ready and uh it was it was brutal um this coming from lines 247 quote although it's purely speculative at this point 
Penn State sure seem primed to push for a 6-0 and record and a number two national ranking approximately three minutes into the second quarter of a Saturday afternoon showdown at Iowa. Following a 14-play drive capped by a 32-yard field goal from Jordan Stout, the Nittany Lions have produced points on three of four possessions, moving the ball with authority against this Hawkeyes defense. Um, yeah, I think that, I mean, it's just, it stinks that that's kind of where we're at, but I just, I will never know because Clifford left the game. It's not fair to Iowa. They deserve to be happy. They won the game. They, they played with the hand they were dealt. But I also think this is a big loss for the Big Ten because like we alluded to earlier, if Iowa runs the gauntlet and loses to Penn State or Iowa, or Ohio State rather in the Big Ten title game, I don't think they're getting consideration in the college football playoff. However, if Penn State were to um, lose to Ohio State in a couple weeks after winning this game and then meets Penn or I guess goes – wait, hold on. I guess that wouldn't work. Never mind. Well, you'd have one of those teams – Getting you have the scenario of like not making your skipping the Big Ten, yeah. I just realized as I was saying that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So never mind. But either way, I mean, that's possible. That's happened though, mm. because you kind of work your way up in the poll, and then you don't. You just lose hide the out, end of yeah. The season, yeah. So you just kind of work because I mean, I think that is how uh, that your Penn State won the Big Ten. Ohio State got in the playoff. That's right. Not even playing in the conference championship. That's right. Um, so we'll see. I mean, their dreams are not completely dashed. I mean, they could still beat Ohio State and, like you said, still run the gauntlet. But, man, it looks like Clifford's not going to be available next weekend either. Um, brutal, brutal blow. What what did you make of the Nanny Lions and the Hawkeyes? Yeah, I think this game went very similar to what we thought. It was going to be like a defensive game. But, you know, once you saw Penn State jump up and then, the, like, no disrespect to, to Quan Roberson, right? But he just he looked like a guy who had no business playing in that game. He just looked completely just, you know, over his head basically. And like you saw that Iowa had no respect for the downfield passing game once he was in the game and they just, they just shut down the run. So it was like this Iowa team is legit. I, I wonder like the committee could, could like does take these kinds of things into account though. Right? Like if it, if Penn state does beat Ohio state or say they are, I mean, if they get, I guess if they beat Ohio State, they, they're getting in the Big Ten Championship. But if they are in some sort of scenario like you're talking about, like we're going to, people are going to go talk, go back and talk about how Sean Clifford wasn't there for the second half of that Iowa game, and it's it's a completely different game with him. You know, like that's that's why we we like a committee of people over computers deciding this this playoff. So it's really tough because. I feel like this this Big Ten. It feels like we're missing something, right? With these with these elite teams in the Big Ten, it's like I trust that the team that comes out of this conference is is a good team. But like week after week, Penn State has seemed solid, and they've they've taken care of business, but it hasn't looked good. And like this was looking good early on, right? So it was like, okay, well maybe Penn State is actually that team in the Big Ten, and even Iowa, like. As, as good as their defense has been, people are still questioning the offense. So it's like we – it just feels like there's going to be all kinds of kind of – it's going to look like madness during the regular season. But I feel like at the end of the day, it's going to be Ohio State once once everything comes down to it. They, they're just starting to look like the most complete team in the Big Ten to me. I would agree. Um, but we'll have to see about the defense. We'll have to see. Um, we'll, That's we'll, true too. Um. 
Let's move on. Stanford, Arizona State. That happened on Friday night. Arizona State takes care of business there. Did you see the lateral pick six in this game from Arizona State? Yes, that was incredible. Heads up play. I want to see more of these these things. Yeah. Um, Arizona State for you. That is my question. Coming out of this game, they've only they only have one loss to this point. Are the Sun Devils your favorite to win the Pac twelve? Like if they run the gauntlet now, eleven and one, did they get playoff consideration for you? Jane Daniels turning it on. They're playing competent football. I think if they're eleven and one, I mean they have to have consideration, right? Because I mean then, especially if Oregon's also eleven and one, I mean this is if these two teams are meeting in in the Pac twelve championship at eleven and one. I mean, what is that? Probably number nine versus number ten or something. Like they're definitely going to be up there in the polls. I mean, Oregon's around nine or ten right now, so they could be around the top five. So I'm still. I don't know. I feel like I'm still skeptical of Arizona State. They are starting to look like the best team in the Pac-12, but like Jaden Daniels has just like this passing attack isn't necessarily what I thought it was going to be. Like he's a hell of an athlete, but I was expecting more of like like this guy's going to be an NFL first round pick, right? Like I mean that's kind of the way he's talked about. Like I was expecting more of a of a pocket passer who can use his legs and and so far he seems like he's a much he's a much more dynamic player with his legs than he has been through the air you know and Oregon's kind of set up the same way so I feel like they're definitely an an even in two evenly matched teams and it's hard to say who's the who's better at this point yeah I think that's true I think that's true um but we'll see i mean they big game i know you're gonna be up for this just go ahead and pencil it in matt green next saturday uh, i don't know if he'll make the pick i would hope so arizona state at utah next weekend so that should yeah. be that should be interesting um but we shall see we shall see uh next on our pick em, matt green we have ou texas what a what a game texas got to it my friend they got to it. Caleb Williams finally gets the call. Spencer's pulled, just pulls on a all-time great comeback. The biggest comeback, I believe, in the Red, Red, Red River. Red, uh, wow, I cannot say this fast. Red <laughs> River rivalry, whatever you want to call it. I, I cannot say that. That's just too much alliteration. Red wow. leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Yeah. Um, the shootout is what they call it. Um, so this was crazy. Everything that you would expect. Um, the SEC is just chomping at the bit here. That they're just they're loving it. They're loving that this is coming to this conference and this kind of game's coming over. I'm glad I'm glad you started there. Cause I felt some kind of way about the SEC chance happening on yes. college game day. I'm like I guess you guys have been talking shit forever. Now you get it. Now you get that the SEC is the best. That's that's why we take pride in it down here. But um like you're still in the Big Twelve. For this year mm. and probably next year and maybe the year after that right is it 2024 is i don't believe that's happening i don't think yeah, it's gonna keep probably going. not but it's just so weird here at sec chant just to start off college game day it's like they're uh they're putting they're they're trying to impress their their new friends their new neighbors so i don't know i wasn't sure how to feel all right i mean yeah it uh we'll see We'll we'll see on that one. Um, so, Michigan State Rutgers. So, Michigan State. This was one we differed on. You thought Rutgers might cover here. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. You, mm. 
you don't want to touch on Oklahoma, Texas more? Uh, what? What? I mean, I I hmm. feel like this is like the is Caleb Williams the guy now? Like he's got to be right. I don't like, know. Riley. Don't want Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler seems like the guy that might go to the transfer portal like next week. Honestly, like I feel like Caleb Williams. I think this offense looked like what we thought Oklahoma was going to be with Caleb Williams. Like I don't want to overreact to just playing Texas. Like we don't know necessarily how good Texas is, but like their their offense just looks so much more dangerous with Caleb Williams. That's fair. I I don't know. I also just think Texas is just like. They're moving into the LSU territory for me when they move into the SEC. Like, Oklahoma is going to be fine. Like, especially in the East, which we expect OU to be in the East, right? And Texas in the West? No, the, I think the East and West thing is going to be completely gone. When That's they true. I think, I think I don't like the pods idea. I mm. had, you know, I have my own idea for the just a couple, like, or three locked rivalries for every team. I hope they do something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how you decide the who's in the SEC championship after that, but we've talked about, you know, maybe the expanded playoff and everything, if the SEC championship even still exists after that. So it's not going to be East and West, but, yeah, it's going to be I've, – I've said that same thing. Like, o- Oklahoma is an elite team, right? Like, they're not going to come in and just dominate the SEC the way they dominate the Big 12, but – you know they might have some nine and three, ten and two seasons, but they're gonna be one of the best teams in the SEC. Like, like it's gonna be a surprise if they're not top like three the every year. Say that again. It's gonna be a surprise if they're just not a top three finisher in yeah, the SEC without every a doubt. year. I think Texas could see themselves at like the eighth, ninth, yes. tenth best teams in the SEC some years, like early on. Because mm-hmm. like, I think A and M got that boost for kind of joining the SEC, and it was mm-hmm. kind of like something they had that Texas didn't. And they also had Johnny Manziel to start it off. It kind of was just a perfect storm of just making the school cool and everything. But I just – I don't know if Texas gets that same bump. And it's like Texas is already recruiting really well, right? Like they're – like Tom Herman was getting top five classes. Like getting good players hasn't been Texas's issue. It's just like they just haven't been good. They just – their best season, they go 10 and four and a couple of eight and five seasons and things like that. So Texas, I definitely think is in for a rude awakening when they join the sec, but it's interesting how we're like talking about this game, because if you, if you told, if we'd said last week, like before, before this game started, like Oklahoma went beats Texas 55, 48, you're like, okay, Sark, you know, he's got this thing moving in the right direction. Texas, you know, they're not there yet. He's first-year head coach, yada, yada. Like, they're not as far away as you might think, you know? But with how it happened, it, it almost felt so much worse, didn't it? Like, you're up 28-7 at the end of the first. What was it? 41-23 near, like, the end of the third quarter? Like, to lose this game the way you did, it was... It, it almost like it almost can't be like a stepping stone, like a positive momentum, like a moral victory, if you will, like kind of like Florida playing Alabama. Obviously, that hasn't necessarily translated uh, moving forward, but like it was a loss that felt good because you're like, OK, maybe the, the program is moving in the right direction. It's like with how it happened, you just gave up the huge lead to the backup quarterback. Like, oh, man, it just it's hard to it's hard to be positive after that. I agree. I agree. Um, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, Michigan State Rutgers, they have a three-headed monster. Peyton Thorne, Walker, and now Naylor, who is fast as crap. And Peyton Thorne <laughs> found him deep. And it, it, I am so excited for 
for state versus Michigan now, especially Michigan passing that test on the road, uh, Nebraska. Um, I thought this was interesting and I want to get your perspective on this Michigan state, Michigan. So scoring offense to this point, Michigan state is averaging 36.7 points per game. Michigan 38.5. They are neck and neck. I am hold so on, ready for this now. game. Mm. I think you're making my point for me. Okay. Like, I, I think Michigan State, I've been so impressed by Michigan State. They, they're they probably, like Iowa, I feel like you'd probably have to say is the most surprising team this year just to see them at number two in the rankings right now. But they were what, preseason top 15? Mm-hmm. Like Michigan State's got to be the biggest surprise of college football, especially how you how they're doing it, the way you're talking scoring points offensively. Mm-hmm. I thought Rutgers was a solid team to go on the road take care of business like this was a game for two quarters but you took care of business and put them away but at indiana noon kickoff i'm afraid this is a trap game sir like Mm. i'm worried about them next week because what you're saying michigan michigan state like this is turning into a top 10 like what was the last top 10 michigan michigan state matchup we had was tj duckett there like yeah that's a, a long time ago so like I feel like this is is such a huge game, and it's the uh, anticipation is building. I I worry like Indiana's a team that no one's talking about now. Like I worry that that's a game that could that could sneak up on them, and and they could get beat looking ahead. Yeah, but as far as performance last week, it was it was definitely what you needed. Well, there you go. There you go. We'll see. We'll see. Michigan State, Mel Tucker. If there was a coach of the year, I mean, Mel Tucker has locked that thing up. Um, and no one wants to talk Heisman because none of the quarterbacks are are having that were supposed to be good or having good seasons. But I mean, Kenneth Walker the third, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy's got to be near the top of any sort of Heisman list you got. But I don't I don't hate that we're not talking Heisman six weeks in. I I prefer to wait to that for the end of the season anyway. But got to give a shout out to what this guy's doing. Uh, so he almost has a thousand yards rushing so far this year. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting because no one's really separated themselves to this point. Like, we really don't have a, a clear front runner whatsoever. Yeah, and that's why I think they need, people need to reevaluate it. Like, it doesn't need to be best quarterback or best running back in the country. Obviously, Devontae Smith is a receiver, just won it last year. But, uh, you know, there's there's other players out there. There's there's Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame. You know, there's guys like N'Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis. Not that I'm... <laughs> starting the Heisman campaign for them. But Jordan Davis is an unblockable person. Like he's obviously one of the best players in college football and just terms of how important he is to Georgia's success. But but what doesn't help him is he has just so much talent around him, like the Jalen Carters and everything oh, else. Like, that doesn't help yeah. him. Um, I don't know. I well, We shall see if someone separates themselves in the next couple of weeks. But um, I don't know. I think the, the, the favorite should be Tion Evans. Um, Arkansas, <laughs> Ole Miss. Arkansas is now... 28th in S&P plus 39th in offense in S&P plus. Um, so I pose this question to you, Matt Green, after this loss going forward on two, I like it. Pittman tried something, nothing to lose showing guts, whatever Arkansas season. Does it go off the rails from here? Two straight losses. Oh, see, I don't think so at all. I okay. thought you would, I would say it was, uh, I would definitely be positive after that game. Okay. If I was an Arkansas fan, because I think after the performance of versus Georgia, I think we were all questioning if this team is even good at all. Like maybe we were 
maybe we were a little jumping the gun on how good this offense is. But I think they were the 17th ranked offense in the country before that Georgia game. And then it dropped to like 40th or something like that. Mm. So to, to bounce back and drop 50 points in this game versus Ole Miss, like 600 yards, I think that showed like this, this is still one of the better teams in the West. And I mean, I guess, the Auburn, like that's the thing about Arkansas is you just don't really know in this SEC West, you know, you just don't really, you still don't know who the best teams are. So it's, it's going to work itself out and, and they could lose two more games, three more games, you know, just because of how, how loaded this, this side of the conference is. But, but I also wouldn't be surprised if, if Arkansas finishes this season, you know, nine and three, like just looking at their schedule moving forward. Like we kind of talked about it earlier, like, Auburn, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, Mississippi State, at LSU, at Alabama, and Missouri. Like, I think all of those, I would, I think you would only pencil in one guaranteed loss there. So, I'm, I'm not, like, Ole Miss beat Arkansas. I'm not necessarily convinced Ole Miss is still better than Arkansas. You know what I mean? Like, I, moving forward, like, Arkansas already has those wins over A&M, that went over A&M on their belt, right? And, I guess that's the only other SEC. That's the only SEC win so far. But Ole Miss still has a lot of those good teams on their schedule, other than Alabama. And so, I, I, I'm curious to see, like, it, when you when you obviously they give up 50 points too, right? Arkansas's defense just got scored on a bunch. But Ole Miss, if 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 they get into these shootouts with anybody, like you can lose games like that. So. I, I'm I'm really curious to see where where these teams go moving forward. Like Ole Miss. I mean, they should be they should be a Sugar Bowl team, right? Like they they like. Do you see Ole Miss finishing eleven and one or no. 10, 10 and two or like what? What do you think? How many games do you think they drop before it's all? I think sudden? they drop two more. So I'm going to say nine and three. I think they finish nine and three. Okay, and then Arkansas. What do you what would you have? How eight you and four. Do you think eight and four? Mm-hmm. See, I I could see that. Eight but and Arkansas, four feels about right Arkansas, for them. Who knows? They could they could beat Bama. Who knows? Um, two regular season losses to Bama, uh, two SEC West for that matter. I don't think he's losing to Pittman and and Jimbo the same year. Uh, but just, who's Ole Miss losing to? They losing they losing in Knoxville. I mean, it's po- very possible. It's very possible. I mean, you get the Hugh Freeze thing is wild. That'll, that'll be on the pick'em. So um, we'll have, we'll have you go on the record for that game. Hugh Freeze is going to be amped up. Malik Willis is a stud. And he's actually Hugh, someone Hugh who can go. Freeze is going to be amped up. Oh yeah, Hugh Freeze, the old Miss Bowl. Like I, I don't know, man. I am. I would. What pens- does Hugh Freeze have to do with this? Hugh Freeze coached at Old Miss. What are you talking about? Liberty it, Old Miss. I th- we're talking about Tennessee Old Miss. No, I already moved on. I moved on to potential losses <laughs> after that. Oh, okay. You're yeah. throwing me off here. Okay, I was I was not following you. But Tennessee fans were obsessed with hiring Hugh Freeze. Damn, for... I didn't even realize that Ole Miss has these uh, these sexy coaching matchups mm-hmm. with Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Liberty. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, and then at a at, at Mississippi State to close the year, the Egg Bowl. Like that's not a guarantee whatsoever. I have no oh. idea. Oh, without a doubt. I think Mississippi State's the most hard-to-read team in the West so far. But um, I respect Lane Kiffin. I don't know if you saw the after the game, mm-hmm. the little, little self-deprecating uh, interview he had. He was like, well, and he said, like, we'll finally get to eat some popcorn now or something like that. or And then said, like, I won't, I won't leave this interview early or something like that. So I respected him because it was... 
It was a little douchey what he did last week. I'll be honest. It was just. Well, I think that's the difference with Lane Kiffin, right? Is that he has clearly grown up a lot where it's like, and I don't even think it was that douchey. I just think he was just like excited and amped up. And he's like, I think this is going to be a high scoring back and forth game. And it just didn't turn out that way. (sighs) Just just right before the game. just get Yeah, whatever. But I I don't disagree. I don't disagree. But like, ultimately, it was harmless. And he, he owned it. And he... I just think there is a lot of growth there. And I think this week showed that, like you said, and I don't know. I, I hope Michael Wilbon saw that. <laughs> Without a doubt. But I respected it. Like, poking some fun at himself. But Ole Miss, moving forward. It should be it should be interesting to see where they go from here. West Virginia, Baylor. Baylor wins another big one. Uh, they move. They still have one loss. 525 yards total for the Baylor Bears as they blow out the Mountaineers. Um, this coming from... Uh, West Virginia's rival site quote West Virginia had under 100 rushing yards yet again that's 18 here you go Matt Green that's 18 of the 28 games that West Virginia has played under Neil Brown that they failed to eclipse the century mark on the ground that's kind of bonkers right yeah that's uh it's not gonna win you a lot of games no it can't be uh it can't be that one dimensional but it's uh, wild how bad they are on the road versus who they are at home the difference between west virginia on the road and at home is in they're like the colorado rockies of college football when they're away from uh away from the (laughs) confines of uh morgantown they're just a completely different football team the same way the rockies are when you leave coors field it's just a little bit different say uh that's a great call my buddy in vegas i felt good about this i had a buddy that was in vegas this past weekend and he gave me like a parlay he was trying to do Mm. and one of the games he had was baylor west virginia and i was like like if i'm telling giving someone else advice about their money you know i'm like I'm not telling you what to do at all. You know what I mean? I'm like, hey, I think this, but you know, anything could happen, right? Like, I don't, I'm, I do not want you to blame me for losing hundreds right. of dollars. Um, but I was like, the one I felt most confident about was Baylor at like minus seven or something mm-hmm. like that. And one, one, one reason is West Virginia, obviously on the road. We always talk about that, but Baylor just looks like a complete team. Like, I know they lost to Oklahoma State last week, but it was on the road. Like, I still feel like. Baylor might be the second best team in the Big 12 this year. Like, mm. I could see them beating Texas. I could see them, like, challenging Oklahoma. Like, I feel like I, I still like Baylor a lot this year. Do you know who they have this week? It's a big one, right? It's a random big one. In the middle of October, they got BYU. That's who it is. Down. Yeah. The Jeff Grimes Bowl. Yeah, that's a crazy matchup when I saw that uh, saw that earlier. So BYU just gotta respect this schedule. Like, oh, I didn't even think about the fact of the future Big Twelve game we got right here with BYU. Yes, They've already taken out Ooh. the Pac twelve South. Yeah, now they're moving on to the Big Twelve. So and Baylor just like I said, the Jeff Grimes Bowl. They just plucked their OC to save their season. Jeff Grimes, who uh, was the architect behind that Zach Wilson offense for. For the Cougs last year, he is Baylor's offensive coordinator who replaced Larry Fedora. Dave Aranda lucked out. Jeff Grimes, man, putting in some work. Yeah, that's Baylor. like a that's like a great hire so far. That's gonna be a great game. I'm excited for that one. Um, ESPN. There you go. Your Georgia Bulldogs take care of the Auburn Tigers handedly. In this one, there was a bad targeting call at one point. In this one, Bo Nix was whining a lot. Oh, you thought that was a bad one. You on didn't Monday. Li- yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't, I mean, I hate targeting, yeah. you know, in general, but it's like, that was almost an obvious one. It was just okay. like, 
the helmet right to like the face mask. Like, and you know, Monday he got uh, ejected last year in the mm-hmm. Georgia Auburn game. It was like the first punt of the game or something like that. I think that was a bad call um, last year. But yeah, you hate to see dudes get ejected for trying to make tackles, especially around the goal line. You know, it's the second time it's happened to Auburn this year. But um, this game went basically exactly how I saw it going. Like, I think what we all worried the most about was, I think what talked about uh, last week was like Stetson Bennett's played in some big games, right? It went at Alabama, but it wasn't a full capacity 2020 season. So this was his first like true road start in a full capacity stadium. And we all know how loud Auburn can get. So I think that was probably the the one thing that Georgia fans were worrying the most about, but you know, they, they got off to the hot start, like, well, maybe not the uh, the quickest start, like Auburn, Auburn was moving the ball early, but I thought the 17, three, uh, lead they had in the first, in the first half was just kind of the, the, the difference in a good team and a bad and a not so good team. Like Auburn's on a bad team, but it was just, it didn't feel like a 14 point, lead at going into the half but georgia executed the opportunities they had and auburn just didn't you know and like that's kind of the difference to where these two teams are and i just think like my brother asked me a question before this game started he was just like like who's because georgia's got so many offensive weapons that are you know that we've known are out and then there's so many that the game starts and you're like well where the hell is jermaine burton where's kenny mcintosh and like oh yeah it turns out they're hurt too it's like like I said, five of like the top seven or eight receivers coming to this season have been out, and this Georgia offense is still making plays in the passing game. Like you're seeing Lad McConkey, Brock Bowers, and and Adonai Mitchell be like the three of the biggest targets for for Stetson Bennett or J T Daniels, whoever's been in so far this year. So, but my brother asked me like, who's the offensive weapon like you feel confident about? Because because we were both kind of worried about like you know. If, Stetson Bennett's going to have to make plays. Like, who's the guy that's going to make plays offensively? And my answer was was Todd Munkin. Like, mm. I just trust Todd Munkin scheming guys open. I don't think it necessarily matters. If if Auburn sells out to to stop the run, like, Georgia's and Stetson Bennett is competent enough to just, you know, get guys open and, and hit the open man. And, and that's really exactly what you saw. Like, you saw Georgia – like, Lad McConkey just – coming out party here just hit multiple like if if bennett doesn't overthrow him on that one he he has two 50-yard touchdowns in this game so his his ability to get behind the defense is just like not what any georgia fans were expecting this year but Stetson bennett just dropping a perfect dime uh on that deep ball like georgia just capitalized on the opportunities they had and then in the second half like even auburn kind of gave a uh uh a fight at it there and it's 24 10 in the second half but you just saw this georgia defense just come out or this georgia offense just come out and absolutely pound the ball on the ground so it's like they really just took just took all the clock away from in the fourth quarter and i feel like that was like the most dominant part of this game was just georgia i think ran the ball 10 straight plays when they're up 27 10 to just put this game away like a six seven minute drive like like this was just I think Georgia looks like the best team in the country. And I think this Auburn, this like we don't know how good Auburn is, right? Like it's still such a question, but we know what the atmosphere in Jordan Hare is like, and we know Auburn's got some pretty good players. You know, you know this is a this is a quality win on the road. And like this is the worst defensive performance of the year 
they gave up 10 points, 46 rushing yards. Like Auburn did have over 300 yards uh, of total yards in this one, but yeah, it was just, it was just a dominant performance. They, it, four sacks, and it, and it would have been more if if Bo Nix wasn't the the throwaway king. Like this guy, this guy finds finds a way to throw the ball away, unlike any quarterback I've ever seen. Josh Allen can do that too. Him Mahomes tonight watching those, they they can get it out of there and there. They're pretty pretty special when it comes to to throwaways um, and moving. <laughs> he around. can also hit receivers down the field. Too. That's true. That's, that's pretty important. Bo Nix has got him on throwing it away, though. He's, that guy has not taken a sack. I mean, that was just crazy. Like, what did you think about that one early in the game that he just, like, flicked it? It was like, I thought it was a fumble live. And it's just like, you're getting sacked and you just flick it? And, like, what are you doing? Like, at some point, you're going to turn the ball over just trying to throw it away. But I won't question I won't question the throwaway king's methods. He, he finds a way to uh, to get rid of it. Yeah. Auburn's like the weirdest team to figure out too in the SEC West now, I think. They're just average. Like they're somewhere in the middle. Like I know they're not the best. We know that now. We just know they're also not the worst. They're somewhere in the middle. I don't know where in the middle, but they're somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I have literally no idea. Like cause cause so many of these games are still on its on the schedule that mm-hmm. Like yeah, they could they could beat Arkansas. Like I don't think they're gonna beat Arkansas, but they could. They could beat Ole Miss. Like no, nothing's gonna surprise you mm-hmm. in, in in the West, it's, which is why I think none of them are really gonna, you know, rise up. I think you're gonna see a lot of eight and fours and nine and threes in this regular. Well, someone has to lose to each other. That's yeah, the whole yeah. thing. Someone's is like I'm curious. Seven and five. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's you just have absolutely no idea who at this point. Um, eleventh. An offense in uh, S&P Plus, Georgia Bulldogs, to this point. Does that concern you? Does that concern me? Yeah, being 11th right now in S&P um, Plus and offensive I would, efficiency. I would say absolutely not. Like, okay. Uh, with this defense, like, I think Georgia... Number one be, in defense in S&P Plus. I think they could be 30th in S&P Plus and be in good shape, honestly. Well, you can't like, win a national title that way. We, we It hasn't happened to this point. Uh, it's debatable. Okay. Especially with Stetson. Like, this is the backup quarterback, you mm-hmm. know? Like... George is playing with their backup quarterback. Oh, speaking up, can I ask you a question? And you're winning 34 to 10 in Jordan Hare. Like, it's it's kind of absurd. What's that? So, I uh, I pointed out Carson Beck on the sideline during this game. Um, the family was not on board. The, the women I was with on Saturday, not on board. They were like, oh. Oh. He's a... Uh, well, he's uh, not a good-looking guy. Not a good-looking guy. JT Daniels, mom's not a fan. She's mentioned that multiple times. She's like, not a not a looker. I mean, they can't all have Stetson Bennett's looks, you know, so they, they can't all be perfect tens like that. Is I Stetson guess, Bennett you know? the most attractive in that quarterback room? <laughs> I I would I don't think I'm qualified to uh, to answer that, but um, we'll get back to us. Go I don't with know. women like the long hair. I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure Brock Vandegrift does something for some for some women out there. JT women Davis love Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm was like universally adored. Is that right? Yeah, I never understood that one. Yeah, I guess it's uh, <laughs> he was like a, a grown man at like 16 years old. Mm. So I guess it's it's one of those things. He's got the rugged good looks, I guess. I don't know. I was you'll a have to, you'll have to get an expert opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really get those those kind of looks. Um Wake Forest, Syracuse, the cardiac kid, Sam Hartman, balled out in this one. 
Um, Garrett Schrader ran all over the place. Former Mississippi State legend Garrett Schrader with his neck beard. Um, Dino Babers, that Syracuse team is frisky. Like they're not good, but they're they're average. They fight hard. They really play for that man. But Wake Forest survives another week. Um, could you see them still making it through? Can they make it to the ACC title game unscathed, Matt Green? I was uh I was waiting for you to ask this question <laughs> because there is an absolute zero percent chance oh, no. this team goes undefeated and and or runs the table in the regular season undefeated. Like okay. I'm just I'm sorry. I'm no no disrespect to Wake Forest. Appreciate what you've done so far. But three point wins over Louisville, overtime win over Syracuse, like this team goes at Army. Like, do I know they're gonna beat Army next week? Like Ooh, that's brutal. Are we going to be able to tell the difference, the black and gold on black and gold? That's going to be bad. Um, But yeah, but to end the season, the final four games for them, like obviously North Carolina, biggest disappointment in all of college football, I think, for 2021. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a bold statement or not. But Ty Chandler, Eric Gray, they left the programs, thought they were going to better spots. Guess what? Interesting call right there. They all oh. did the wrong thing there. You hate to see it. Spencer Rattler, <laughs> come on up, down to Knoxville next year, 2022. Oh, Spencer Rattler is hitting the transfer portal for sure. But but Wake Forest final four games of the season at North Carolina, mm. NC State at home, Ooh. at Clemson, at Boston College. Yeah, they're not running the table. Absolute 0% <laughs> chance they're going undefeated. Like I, if they go ten and two, I'll be impressed honestly, be because they I they're gonna drop some of those games. Like I think they might drop the. They might drop four to road in the year, but I, I would almost I would bet a lot that they're gonna drop those last three NC State and at Clemson and at Boston College. Need that Riley Skinner luck. Uh Wyoming and Air Force. The only thing I have on this, five and one Falcons. We both picked this one, I think. Or did you pick Wyoming? No, we both picked Air Force. Okay. Um Wyoming obviously came into this game undefeated, but sixty four carries for that triple option over there by Troy Calhoun's bunch. Uh for two hundred and eleven yards. Uh Wyoming. Hundred and fourteen yards in the ground, twenty seven carries, pair of fumbles. Um yeah, Wyoming loses that one. Air Force, five and one. Suddenly, the cream of the crop of uh the armed forces right there with Army. Head to head, I like it. I like it. Navy one and four. I feel four. like Air Force has always been the best of the armed forces. No, right? they have not always been the best. They've been the most consistent, though. They've That's always been the I most consistent. Like, yeah, the most consistent for sure. Navy's had. Navy's been the best. Like win wins and losses wise. Mm-hmm. That's probably true because you have what the Paul Johnson run yes. there, and you got. I mean, up until this year, the last two years basically, Navy has been great like they have been they've been great and it's just fallen off for whatever reason the last couple of years but we'll is there see a reason is there are you are you contractually obligated to run the wishbone if you're uh if you're one of the armed forces is that <laughs> is air force still doing that yeah air, air force is running the triple option they ran it yeah they're like, you have to? is it just the personnel you get like this is the only mm. option you can this is the only uh offense you can run like, well you could i guess you can do two choices the job interview it's like so what offense are you gonna run well you know i thought i'd spread it out and like get out of my office you don't you don't understand how we do things <laughs> i don't know i mean georgia southern was almost like that and now georgia southern's branching out um they haven't run the traditional triple option in decade now um I feel like the it's um 
blanking on his name, Jamie Chadwell. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the the modern trip. Yeah, because it's like a weird yeah, blend, some sort of passing element, like Grayson McCall. Spread them out. Yeah, it's got to be something like that. Like you're just having your quarterback take these hits between the tackles, like over and over. It's just, I don't feel like that's a winning formula in in the 21st century. But who knows? It works for the armed forces. So yeah, and I'll talk to uh, Jamie on Tuesday. Um, no love for Coastal big, in the college football big playoff. Time get, big time get. Hey, we're starting something here. We're starting something here. Friend of the pod. I, I, I'm i going to ask for a helmet. I want, like, green turf. I want him to send me some stuff. I want them to send me some some cool Coastal Chanticleer swag. Um, I'd rock it. I'd rock it. Shout out to Conway, South Carolina, and the good folks over there. Um, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Notre Dame survives another one. Just an amazing season for them from the quarterback room. Like the, the musical chairs in, uh, in Notre Dame territory is just, it's just bonkers. Um, but did you see the, the fans really upset with Fuente after this one and Virginia Tech? So yeah, you're, when you're talking about the fourth down, you're talking about at the very end. Yes. On like what? They were on like the 27? Yes. On their own 27? Fourth and one from its own 27. Like that would have been the most asinine going forward, and unless unless you're like this guy, unless you're like a Lane Kiffin, and you've been like vocal about that's mm. what we do, go for it on fourth fourth down or whatever. Like that's such a low percentage play. Like it's a twenty nine twenty nine game. It's not like Notre Dame. Like I think they'd started to kind of get something going at that point. It felt like they had momentum in the game, but I think they just scored in their previous drive. Yeah, but it's it's like it's you've gotten plenty of stops. It's not like you just oh, if we get it back to them, last team who has the ball is going to win. You know, like there was what uh, two minutes left, a minute fifty or so left mm-hmm. when that happened. Like, I that's that's like ridiculous, coach second guessing to me. Like you mm. know, in a tie game, you don't you don't go for it on fourth and one on your own twenty seven yard line. Like that that's how you lose a game. Utah. USC Utah gets their first win against USC at USC in a hundred years, sir. We talked about it on the pre-show. Um, USC gets stomped at home. Cam Rising comes in there, twenty-two of twenty-eight, completed seventy-nine percent of his passes, three hundred six yards, three TDs. There was a flea flicker in this one to Belay to put the Utes up twenty-one ten early in this game. Just, just great. Like I, the Utes were rolling. This was the best game they've played all season. Obviously, an extremely emotional week um, with Aaron Lowe's passing, um, who was actually wearing Ty Jordan's number this season, who passed away um, this this offseason. Just unreal. And Whittingham came out and said that uh, no one will be wearing that number ever again. Um, but just a brutal, wow. brutal emotionally uh, draining year for these Utes and for them to come out and still just whip up on USC uh, and take care of business. Just remarkable stuff. So great, great stuff for the Utes. And uh, yeah, USC, you don't have to worry about keeping your interim and that he's going to win too many games. I think uh, they're going to hire outside. <laughs> that is no longer an issue for sure. Um, other games, Tennessee, rolls South Carolina. We talked a lot about that. Hendon Hooker has this offense just rolling. Uh, Tennessee, number 14 in S&P Plus at this point in the season. Who had... Josh Heupel with the amount of roster turnover, the limitations on the defensive and offensive line, like no linebackers for most of the spring um, to be 14th. Um, 
it's pretty wild. Like Josh Heupel bringing in Leonard Little and Al Wilson got honored at halftime this week. There's just all these reasons for optimism. Velas Jones doing stuff. Jalen Hyatt still, I, I think I'm out on Jalen Hyatt at this point, but Tian Evans had a scare in this one. He got banged up and, and didn't return, but Heupel said that was just precautionary. So he'll be back for the old Miss game. But yeah, Tian Evans is just an absolute star. Hendon Hooker just knows exactly what he's doing. He found where he needed to go with the football. Tennessee rolls. South Carolina's bad. Like South Carolina is very, very bad. And I think they got a long, long way to go. Uh, Ohio State stomps Maryland 66 to 17. Ohio State hold has on, the, Hold mm. on. Don't look now. Tennessee has got some votes. Mm. Coaches poll. I like they it. Got, they got eight eight points in the coaches poll, so that puts them at about like the thirty fifth ranked team in the country or so. So this this four game stretch, what what's their record after this four game stretch? Tennessee, they're what four and two right now. Yes, the best it's, case scenario is two and two. Miss Ole Miss at Alabama at Kentucky and then Georgia. Mm-hmm. Best case is two and two. I think that's. If it's two and two, you're giving six, Josh Heupel. Six. If it's three and one, you're giving Josh Heupel a lifetime contract. Yeah, I mean six and four, it could end up an eight and four season. Like mm. that's that's without a doubt a success year one. That's a big but, time home run success year one. That's that's requiring a win over Ole Miss or Kentucky because I, I think we're both going to assume Georgia and Alabama are losses. So mm. Ole Miss and at Kentucky. I could also be four losses. I don't so. think they're losing all four. I don't think so. I think they're splitting. I, my guess right now is two and two, but I could. I think it would not. Like I wouldn't argue with you over one and three. I, I think zero oh and four would be stunning with the way this team's playing. I think zero oh and four would be stunning. It's hard to say, but I mean they're not going to be favored any of these, so it's hard to say it's stunning. Well, like, we'll see. It's early for Kentucky because I think if they beat. Six. I mean, Georgia's playing Kentucky, remember, this week. So that's where game day is going to be. And if Georgia boat, like, just steamrolls Kentucky like they did Arkansas, and then Tennessee beats Ole Miss, I think there's a chance that Tennessee's favorite in that Kentucky game. We'll see that's what happens awesome. there. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be – if, if they beat Ole Miss, they uh, they might get jump into the top 25, honestly. I mean, you have to be a top 25 team at that point. I think that's probably fair. BYU's number 10 right now. You get Texas, who was 21 this week. I don't know. I, I think when you're looking at some of these rankings, I'm like, I, I don't know. I but think if it's six and six, like SMU and San Diego State, like in a neutral site, San Diego State, Tennessee, Brady Hope versus a group, like who's who's winning that game? Wake Forest, Tennessee on a neutral site. Who's winning that game? It's fair. Um, but if it's, if it does end up six and six, is that a, is that a success for Hypo or seven and five? Is that the minimum that's like this? I is, think. Six and six would mean that the season really went off the rails and you don't want to go backwards down the stretch. Like that, that would feel like we're doing like you're going backwards. And I don't, it's, I feel like that might be what people say after a four and two start, mm-hmm. but it's also, you have to look at the details, right? Like this is the toughest four game stretch on the schedule without a doubt. So, but if you only finish you with wins against one. Vanderbilt and UT Martin at the end of all this, I don't, I don't know. Or not UT Martin, South Alabama, UT Martin next year. Um, I don't know. That'd be pretty sad if that's how it ended. Okay. I'm just trying to gauge the, the expectations for this, this four game stretch. So I think this offense is just too good. Like they're going to catch one of these teams. The offense is just too, too dominant right now. Like it's just too dominant, especially in the first quarter. I don't know if you knew how Tennessee was in the first quarter, Matt Green, but uh, I've never heard. I've yeah. ne- no, no one's mentioned it. 
they're a juggernaut. They're a juggernaut <laughs> in the first quarter. I could see I could see him giving Ole Miss a game and and based on how they play, it'll be interesting. I think I think Kentucky at Kentucky, we saw how much trouble Florida had at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. But uh, that'll be interesting. I think we're going to that be. actually. I think we're doing a road trip. It's not that far, it's only an hour and a half from uh from Knox. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I think we're uh, I think we're actually planning to head to Athens for for game day this week. Oh, very cool. Maybe get tickets. Maybe just drive home and watch the game with the house. But uh, just go to the game, yeah. man. Get some tickets. Might might do that, but shit's, shit's expensive, man. How much are they going especially for? College game day. I was looking, especially these fees, man. Like I'm mm-hmm. so I'm such an old person, honestly. Mm-hmm. Stuff like we were. I was looking for it at the at, at Kentucky tickets last week, actually. Mm-hmm. And it was like, hundred and forty bucks for like. Like, not the highest section, not the nosebleeds, but, like, not low, right? Mm. Like, the 300s or something, I think. And it's, like, 140 bucks plus $50 in fees for each ticket. It's, like, mm. what kind of garbage is this? This is a $200 ticket. So, I just, I couldn't justify the fees, honestly. But um, now mm. these tickets are, I think it's, like, 250 for, like, uh, the 600 level, like, the the nosebleeds at this point with, with game day and everything. It's kind of crazy how Georgia's schedule is shaking out we kind of all talked about how weak it was especially the home schedule and now you got game day coming here for the second time this year in like three weeks i mean you got to give mark stoops a statue for getting kentucky on game day for georgia and making kentucky georgia just like a prime time uh must see without a doubt for the for the second time in in four years yeah Georgia kentucky is basically to decide the east so mm-hmm. Yeah, just don't build the statue while he's alive and because <laughs> Gary Patterson's statue is just <laughs> like it's just weird. Yes, and now it's like they're not really that good anymore. There was like such a strong tradition there for like several years, and now they're not that good anymore. And he's just still there. It's, it's just like, well, we can't fire him. He's got a statue. You can't, you can't just fire a guy with a statue. I think that's I don't know. I think that's legal a legal obligation. I don't know how that works. Well, TCU did blow out Texas Tech this weekend, fifty-two to thirty-one. Uh, we had an upset. Oregon State goes down at, home, at on the road at Washington State. Mizzou struggles with uh, North Texas a little bit, forty-eight thirty-five. We had um, Illinois get blanked by Wisconsin, so Wisconsin gets true or false. Graham Mertz passed for over hundred yards in this game against Illinois. Mm. Well, since you're asking the question, I'm going to say false. Uh, no, he did exactly a hundred yards. Oh, wow! Exactly a hundred. <laughs> That's good stuff. And going back to what you said with Missouri, I think mm. that might be the team I've been like the most wrong about. Yeah, in the East this year, they're bad. Or in SEC, like I was kind of expecting, you know, maybe them to do more what Tennessee's doing and kind of be that third, fourth best team in the East. Like they're looking like. They're down. They're down in the Vanderbilt and South Carolina club right now. Like they're not. They're not looking too hot. I don't know if anyone's down in that club. I don't know if anyone's in the same club with Vanderbilt. They're they're in a league of their own. But Missouri is not looking like more of a more than like a six, seven win team. I think at most. Georgia Tech thirty one, Duke twenty seven, Virginia thirty four, Louisville thirty three. Brandon Armstrong threw for almost five hundred yards in this cardinal defense still not good uh the cardinal defense the upset that we haven't talked about i don't know if you have any thoughts on this florida state 35 unc 25 yeah i uh i don't know what to make of this at all right like 
how about Mac Brown's post game comments? Did you what did see he say? This? No, I didn't see it. Dude, Mac Brown basically said, like, this isn't our team's fault. Like, this is the media, like, picking <laughs> the wrong team, essentially. <laughs> like, this is all you guys who thought we were going to be good this year, and you were dead wrong. We're not good at What if all. he was just, like, he was telling people, all, like, all summer, he's like, we're going to suck. Like, I don't know why the media is like, I, look, he, we're going to be awful. We're going to lose what to Florida just, State at home. Every time you turn on College Football Live, you just, like, turn the TV off. Like, <laughs> why do people think we're going to be so good this year? What the hell is happening? <laughs> we lost our two best running backs, our two best receivers. Like, <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do. Oh, man. I just – like, Sam Howell still is good. Like, I'm not just saying Sam Howell's not a good quarterback anymore. He had 100 yards rushing in this game. Um, I think he still looks like a first-round pick. Like, Do you think I he comes still- back? He could. I just feel like if, I mean, I think you would, you go, I think you should leave because of this quarterback class. Like, mm. who's, who's the best quarterback? That's who's the one quarterback getting drafted this year? Like, I think with Sam Howell having an underwhelming year, like, pro scouts look. People thought it was going to be Rattler, and there's no chance. No chance. It's like, people would have taken DJ Uyunglele, like, before he was even eligible to <laughs> draft. You know what I mean? Like, it might be Malik Willis, honestly. Yeah, it honestly could be. So, like, I think. Pro scouts look at tools, you know, and like Sam mm. Howell is like he's a good athlete too. On top of being a really good passer, like having a strong arm and everything, like he might not have like maybe the strongest like NFL arm or something, but he's definitely a good quarterback. So I feel like if you know how NFL teams talk themselves into quarterbacks all the time, like it feels like it's impossible for anyone to still need a quarterback because every year, like five of them go in the first round, right? At some point, everyone has to have their franchise quarterback, but it's like just someone always needs one. So these guys that are, you know, maybe the, the 20th or 30th best player in the, in the draft, they're the first or second or third ranked quarterback and, and teams get convinced to draft them top five or top 10. So I think, I think Sam Howell still got the skill. And so I, I think you. I think you got to go just because of this class. Mm. I don't hate but it. I, I just. I don't know what to make of them losing to Florida State. Like, is Florida State right in the ship? Is Mike Norvell getting things together, or is this an indictment on North Carolina? I think it's an indictment on North Carolina. That's, that's probably. It's. It could be a little bit of both, but probably more North Carolina. All right. Well, are you ready to do our last segment? Our the sticker segment. Add a sticker. Remove a sticker. I got my stickers. Do you? Oh, uh, yeah. All let's, right. uh, let's add the stickers. Stickers for me, Velas Jones really showed out in that Tennessee-South Carolina game. Velas Jones is a is a full-on toolsy weapon now. Um, the the It's out. Velas Jones returning kicks in the screen game. That dude is just a menace. And, uh, yeah, it's it's been great seeing him get involved. I've been yelling about getting him more targets for weeks. Cade McNamara did what he needed to do. J.D. McCarthy, the five-star, sitting there. Everyone's excited. But you know what? He goes out, wins in the rib. Tough game. Gets Nebraska. Florida State as a whole gets a sticker. Big win. Season from hell. We just talked about him. You know, that's that's a big thing for me. And then Zach Calzada. I mean, just the game of his life. Lanier legend, Zach Calzada. So, shout out to him. Who are your stickers, sir? Um, I got to give a sticker to Caleb Williams mm. for just coming in in the Red River shootout. Yes. And just absolutely balling out. I thought it was interesting early because, like, he was playing early 
like while Rattler was still playing, right? And when he broke that that long touchdown run, it felt like Rattler was nowhere to be found, right? Mm. Like I don't know what like I don't know what the dynamics are there. You know, we all have our opinions about Spencer Rattler or whatever the the videos that we've seen online and things like that. But I feel like in that situation, a, a quarterback is usually like artificially excited for his backup. You know, it's like hell yeah, man! I'm the quarterback. I'm gonna show that I'm I'm a supportive teammate. I don't I don't care that someone's about to take my job. You know, it's like that's usually just the performance guys put on. So. But yeah, Caleb Williams straight took Spencer Rattler's job this week. He wasn't happy about it, so I gotta I gotta give him a helmet sticker for that one. I like it. And then it. my other one, yeah, you had my other one too, Zach Calzada. I've been uh, I've been pretty hard on the Sugar Hill native, and uh, this is by far the best game I've seen him play. And like you said, those quarterbacks that have beaten Nick Saban Alabama teams. He might not be remembered uh, uh, like like Johnny Manziel and Deshaun Watson and Joe Burrow, but. He's he's in that class of Steven Garcia. No one no one can ever take that away from him. Absolutely. Um, last one, our removing of stickers portion. Ripping the sticker off, Matt Green. Sam Pittman uh, for going for it, not keeping that game going. I didn't like it. I didn't like what? it. What? I didn't like it. You Just didn't keep going. Like it? I thought you of all people, man. I thought you would respect that. Taking Sam Pittman's uh, helmet sticker for this. I am because I think you're right there. I think it's different when it's Alabama, like when you're just it just it, or Georgia. Do whatever. Like Lane Kiffin just going for it. If he went for it on his own 15 against Bama, I get it. But Pittman, it's like you're right there with Ole Miss. Y'all are somewhere even like y'all are in the same ballpark keep the thing going like i think it's based on tiers where it's like what do you have to lose like tennessee should never punt against georgia in a couple of weeks like just don't punt four down territory from the get-go like let's see what happens um i would not punt uh or i would not go for it in that in that scenario when it's too yeah, i think even teams. i think when you have it like on the road like you guys just think about the scenario like on the road, big time atmosphere and everything. Like, if you can get three yards to win the game, like if you would have said that before the game, we need to get three yards to win it. Like, I don't know. I kind of think on the road, that's kind of typically when you go for the win in terms of, you know, go for the tie. I think you also go for the tie when you think you're the better team. And this game keeps going in overtime. Like, they weren't really stopping Ole Miss's offense. You know what I mean? So. Mm if this just continues to go back and forth in overtime, like, yeah, you can potentially win this game. Like they weren't stopping you much either, but with zero, with triple zeros on the clock, like you have a chance to get three yards to win it. Like right here, right now, like you got to respect the, you got to respect the call, even though it didn't work. And just how quick he was with it. Like the second they showed him on after the touchdown, like he was ready with it too. Like they, it wasn't even a question. It's just, the play they it, it, when it, when the play looks so bad and so like not close to working, it's always easiest to uh, second guess the two point conversion decision, right? Because you're just like, yeah, you went for two in the win, but that was the best. That was the best thing you had to draw up, really. Like that was it. That was your play. That's fair. That's fair. Ed Orgeron, I'm removing a sticker from him. Just a pathetic effort against Kentucky. There, um, that man is getting fired. Uh, I sent you the text with the, the whole radio call controversy, just insanity um, down there in Baton Rouge. Just, just bad. Everything's bad. Um, Garrett Schrader, though, in a losing effort. Shout out to Garrett Schrader. 29 carries, 178 yards, TD. I'm removing a sticker from 
Syracuse football team not giving this quarterback a victory. 30 carries for a quarterback? Preposterous. Love it. Garrett Schrader, Captain Neckbeard. I mean, I'm here for it. Um, who are you removing a sticker from? Um, Mine might be a little harsh here because, oh, no. you know, no one was really – this guy was – no one was, like, giving this guy all-conference honors anyway. But I got to remove a helmet sticker from Demetrius Robertson. Oh, no. This Georgia transfer personal. versus Auburn – or for Auburn against mm. Georgia. Like, we know about this Georgia defense. We know how rowdy they are and – everything but demetrius robertson had so many drops in this game he wasn't the only one like auburn auburn dropped a lot of passes in general like i think like this was georgia's worst defensive performance you've seen so far even though they still held him to 10 points but i think it was only 10 points just because the number of drops and you had like this had this game had to be circled for demetrius robertson going against your 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 former team and he had multiple opportunities to make plays and he just he just didn't make them. So might be harsh, but I'm taking one from, from uh, Demetrius Robertson. All right. Matt Green, that is, uh, that is all I've got. Do you have anything else you would like to, to mention as we wrap up this week six of the college football season? Um, I just have oh, two things to mention. One, mm-hmm. next week is the only week of the entire college football season where we get seven SEC games – all, all SEC teams playing each other. So I'm super excited for that next week. And tomorrow I will be, or today when you're listening to this podcast, I will be in, in uh, I almost said SunTrust. I'll be in Truist Park. Oh, you're going. Rooting on the Bravos game three, man. One o'clock. So don't stop the chop, man. The Bravos can uh, clinch this thing at home. I like it. I like it. I'm curious to see what the turnout's going to be for a one o'clock uh, playoff game in Atlanta. I think they said it was uh, close to a sellout. I'll believe when I see it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how how quick they arrive, though. That's what I'm saying. Like when, moving when Kirby over. He calls us when Kirby calls us out personally and says you have to be in your seat at noon. They answer, but I, Brian Snicker did no such thing. So mm. the the people are going to be at the battery. You know, they're going to be there. There's it's going to be a packed house, but. At 107 first pitch, we might still be at, at 70, 60%, 70% capacity. We'll, we'll see. All right. Matt Green, we can find you on Twitter.com at Matt underscore W underscore Green. Follow myself at Chase W underscore Thomas. If you like listening to Matt and I, guess what? We do this show. New episodes pop up in your feed every Monday morning and every Thursday morning. Recap show on Mondays, uh, previews on Thursdays. So subscribe to this feed on Apple, Spotify, or get your podcast. Uh, go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com, uh, SportsRenaissanceMan.substack.com, and email us with any college football questions uh, that you have for either Matt or myself at ChaseThomasPodcast at gmail.com. Again, ChaseThomasPodcast at gmail.com. Follow Zeus and Maddox on Instagram for all the great, wholesome dog content as well down there in Tequila, Georgia. Oh, and just the dog nutritional uh, information that you that you need in your life. Absolutely. The, the, I think she posted a new one uh, the other day. That's just – was there bananas in there? I don't know. Um, she, gets, she gets real excited with, with breakfast. That's when, <laughs> that's when her presentation is the best for sure. So she's it's, a morning person. It's elite presentation for sure. Um, yeah, she's, this per- she's the person – she wakes up 
at like she's reading all the time also mm. like on her phone mm. so like like reading books novels mm. on her phone so she's the kind of person who wakes up at like 6 a.m and like sits there till like 7 30 just like reading and then she gets up and starts her day i'm just like i work at nine i'm waking up at 8 <laughs> and going uh, to brush my teeth and, and clock in for the day so i sleep to the, the last second i can commitment to excellence the mac green story i am you know i just uh sleep is important you know gotta get the gotta get that rim sleep the sports renaissance told me it's the same way though uh like tori where uh just the the morning stuff where the roles are reversed where like i'm always like more hype as the the night wears on and pretty pretty social at that point talkative but in the morning i just have no no inclination to to speak I, i need several cups of coffee before i i like to be talked to in the morning i think she's finally accepted me for it that's good it takes time that you if you're walking the dogs in the morning like i'm just not trying to start my day that way like no 30 30 40 minute walk like before like it's just doing the nine to five is just like that sounds terrible but like <laughs> do the nine to five and then at six o'clock take the dogs on a walk like i'm down with that so i'm down with the with the after the after work walk but I do the midday time. walk to the park because I take uh, take uh, Khaleesi the dog to the park at noon. I like when I've gotten a lot of stuff done and I reach a midpoint in my day where I'm like, all right, let me take a break and I'm going to go do that. Uh, but like you, I'm I'm right there with you. I, I can't start my day with something like that or the workout people first thing in the morning. No, no, no interest. Not at all. No interest. Matt Green, always a pleasure, my friend. I will talk to you in a couple days. Yes, sir. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.